0: I guess we all always are working with or against technology somehow. I feel good and interesting art is always looking or thinking about things which might only happen in 20 years. So there is this question of how artists' mind and technology work together and inspire each other. That might be a very interesting dance.
1: This is AI Murmurings, a podcast that explores intersections of contemporary art and artificial intelligence. I'm Carolyn Strauss, Director of Slow Research Lab, a creative research and curatorial platform based in the Netherlands. This podcast was produced in partnership with the Australian Institute for Machine Learning and Sia Furler Institute, both at the University of Adelaide in South Australia. It's part of a first-of-its-kind artistic research program called Art Intelligence. Joining me today on the podcast is Stephanie Rosenthal, director of Martin Gropius Bau in Berlin. Thank you for taking time to do this, Stephanie. It's great to be speaking with you. Hello. Thanks for having me. I always like to start the podcast with a bit about your background. I already mentioned your post at Gropius Bau, where you've been since early 2018. And for 10 years prior to that, you were the chief curator at the Hayward Gallery in London. Interesting to me in this podcast is along the way in 2016. You were artistic director of the 20th Sydney Biennial with the title, The Future is Already Here, It's Just Not Evenly Distributed. That theme already has a lot of resonance with this podcast, of course, and I think today we're going to talk about at least two of the artists that were part of that exhibition and who you subsequently hosted at Gropius Bow. So before we get into questions, is there anything else you'd like to add about your background? For example, I wonder if you might say something about how your perspectives as a curator and your focus as a curator have evolved maybe to themes like that and to what you're currently doing at Gropius Bell.
0: I think you really mentioned the kind of, for me, at least at the moment, most important stop in my life or maybe better say career. And the Sydney Biennale and also living in Australia was certainly something which had a big impact or made me aware of all the things I don't know and want to know. My position here at the Grobelsbau has probably shifted my idea of what it means to be a curator and, and, and in which way one is a curator by directing an institution. While I was always interested in this idea, you know, how. Artists participate through their work in our social life, the critical thinking society, and in which way, you know, they have, from my perspective, one of the most important impacts of us to, you know, try to transform. I think now having this position as a director kind of made me maybe look more at the flip side. How do we have to work towards the inside to? reflect the right outside. Just thinking you have to live what you say, you know, and I always expect that also from artists, but I think for institutions it's the same, you know, we can't be talking about care if we don't care yeah. about, you know, our own team or the own institution. It, it changed, I think, my perspective a bit and my interest also in, in just looking at both sides.
1: Yeah. You just mentioned Care, and I invited you to have this conversation based on our mutual interest in the topic and practices of care. It's something that we talk about, I talk about a lot at Slow Research Lab, and it seems to be, as in your case, of increasing importance in contemporary art practice and thinking. And I feel it's fully appropriate that this has been sort of a recurring theme on the podcast because. Artificial intelligences, of course, is a field that's full of potentialities and also many, many uncertainties. And yet we all know it will be increasingly tied and intimately tied to our social and material realities. So care, it's a word that I think has a great deal of meaning for you. And it's, as I just said, it's been a kind of constant theme in recent programming at Gropius Bow. So what would you like to share about that to begin, maybe in terms of its hoped for impact on audiences um, on the building I'd like to talk about that a bit later as well, and perhaps even on the like you were saying on the evolving identity of the institution
0: I would say I'm quite new to really using that term hmm. like i I wouldn't say when I arrived here or also when I did this maybe honor that I would Identified as being interested in care. But then working with artists, and I think that's always the most inspiring thing, I guess, as a curator, is the artists we invited, I felt they had a common interest, mm. or that they were all interested in this question of care and caring. And I mean, in a lot of different ways. Caring about, you know, the environment, caring of the relationships, caring of body, caring of land. So caring about, you know, and and caring in that very broad sense in a way, just saying you are, you know, really engaging with something. Mm. Um, And so now, you know, if you would ask me what are the main themes of the group, just about care and repair would definitely be one of Mm. these subject matters. It's always interesting then to know on what hierarchy are these themes, you know, if I would talk about other themes where we really feel very um, interested in, then somehow that theme care and repair, it's somehow there the whole time. And I think that is probably related to also the building in itself. Somehow it tells an interesting Mm. story about this idea of, you know, how do we reflect on how care what does care mean and also that idea of repair you know and and what does how do we live what does it mean for us in our society at the moment to use the word repair
1: yeah right first of all I find that fascinating that you it was actually the artist whose work you were drawn to and who you felt moved to present further and in the institution that you then sort of Reflected back and found that commonality, and that commonality was care. As you know, and what I'll explain for the listeners, I first got in contact with you after I had been at Gropius Bau. I specifically traveled there because I was intrigued by a program that you co curated with the dance dramaturge Noemi Solomon called Rituals of Care, beginning of this year, that offered, as you say, this radical acts of care and repair with performances and sonic installations and healing practices performed on visitors by visitors. I don't know if that was the first instance of actually putting the word care into the public imagination around Gropius Bau. I'd love to hear you talk about it. And you've already mentioned the building, which was a major protagonist in that program and it feels like in these this other programming you've been doing lately.
0: It's a good question. I don't know. Was it the first time we used it publicly? Maybe. I mean this hmm. this idea of care. I don't think so because the fact that we worked with Li Mingwei, the artist we had basically yes. the show, we kind of couldn't open the show because of corona and then open his his show is his whole work is around this idea of conversation, having conversations, but in that very, in the core of that is really this, I think his interest in caring, creating relationships through his approach. And also Otobong Nekanga's work, of course, is very much, I mean, I don't know if Otobong would really use the word caring, but I think her, the way how she works with land and the body and resources is clearly this interest
1: yeah, you recently opened a large show of works by Otbang Okanga called There's No Such Thing as Solid Ground. Whether or not maybe she's used the word care, it comes across in her sense of urgency around the entanglements that we have as humans with the rest of the living and even non-living world. In her project Germination, which I think you've got in the show, one of the phases of Carve to Flow anyway she'd done a program in dakar at raw material company and yeah. i was so struck by something she said she wrote about it where she said how can we work in coherence with the land and mineral body that holds us all we can no longer ignore the particles we breathe into our lungs speckled sometimes with arsenic but at other times with the pollen of a jasmine flower so whether or not she uses the word care it's there, I think, in that, in that sentiment that she expresses. Well, maybe I want to talk a little bit about rituals of care. I personally experienced three performance works. The first was... Maria Hassabi's Together, which, as you know, is a highly intimate performance, extremely slow and deliberate, almost like a somatic meditation on how we relate to one another, how we affect and are affected by one another. And then there were two performances by Antonio Livingston, the first with Nadia Lauro called Les Etudes d'Aracy and the other conceived, I guess, with Mishkota called Show. Those were, there was a lot going on, but the, the one thing that struck me was how these other than human presences were joining human bodies in this, what they call this queer symposium. So those, just those, they already so well for me transmitted and helped to embody and really embody in place this notion of care. I'd love to hear you talk about how that was for you, that program Rituals of Care.
0: It was an amazing pleasure to be able to do it and have the possibility to invite all these amazing artists to come to the Gropius Bau and do their works, but also, you know, kind of respond to the context in their own ways and have these basically good two weeks of just going through these different feelings and movements and so many different notions of ritual too, I think. So mm. it, what was really interesting and why I wanted to do this and invite these artists was very much to touch on that question of healing and how can work, you know, how can we with works we show at the Grokus Bar really start to think about what is the healing aspect of these works and mm. of works in general. Mm -hmm. And so having the title Rituals of Care was even opening it up a bit more wider, I think, and just thinking, how do artists think about that? And so the program was very much based on bringing artists, choreographers, dancers, but also religious rituals and, Mm -hmm. you know, non-religious rituals together and see what does that do to us, you know, being in the building and so there was an interest also in thinking what happens to the place here and the space when these rituals have happened and how would we feel different in the building what does it actually mean to have all these amazing people here who who have these different practices and are in the center the whole idea was that the program is happening in our atrium Mm-hmm. And the atrium, we always call it the heart of the building or the heart of the organism we're working with. And yeah. so, the building has a important history. You have mentioned that it was built in the uh, late nineteenth century as a arts and crafts museum and school. And then, at the school, who had moved out because the building got too small, the headquarter of the Gestapo. Yeah, and the Goebbelsbau itself was never like used for any, you know, political activities but we had a library but it wasn't very active during the time during the Nazi times. But then the whole area was heavily bombed because mm-hmm. it was one of the centers of the party. So there is a lot of history and so the largest party was bombed here in the Gropus Bar was based the the roof and therefore the atrium. Mm-hmm. So there are all these we call it wounds of the different times the building has gone through and they're present in a very interesting way because the architect who took on the task to basically repair or reconstruct the building, decided not to try to hide anything, but just basically, you know, leave. I mean, he didn't leave gaps, but he would fill it with concrete instead of try to make the beautiful ornaments or, you know, refill or, or redo the balustrade. You know, while you have like these outstanding floral ornaments in the original balustrade and barriers, he would just fill it in with plain glass and iron. So there's a lot of that in the building, which makes the building, I think, contemporary, but also, you know, kind of gives this feeling of what is actually the, you know, what is this, what does that building talk about? And what happens if you put works in it who deal with different, you know, as you said, you've seen uh, works which were very subtle. And I think, um, you know, like Maria Hasabi's, where it was two people interacting, but we have had these Amazing, really energetic works were by Marcello Evelyn, where you really, you know, there was a very different, very sensual erotic energy between bodies, but also, you know, a sort of feeling of fire. Or Meta Ingwardson, who was like, you know, using light. So there were all these completely different aspects yeah. of how artists could approach that. And I think that was really the interesting aspect of us to not say, We are afraid of bringing all these different artistic strategies together, but say, yes, it can be experimental choreography, healing practices, sound installations, you know, get togethers. And we don't have to define this is art, this is not art, this is, you know, this is healing practices, this is not, but just say it all
1: coexists. There's a strong sense that it's approached kind of as a continuum of space and place and history so that... As you said, the building, and you have expressed, at least even in the formal kind of text about rituals of care, this deep kind of interest and concern about the historical and political burdens that the building carries, but also this sense that contemporary audiences and inhabitants of the city of Berlin are also part of that historical continuum. Unlike a lot of places where where the a building or a muse or museum or museal space is merely just kind of a container for the works that unfold within and around it, you really get a sense of the building is somehow interdependent with the programming. I really appreciated that. I know you also did that in Sydney, where a large percentage of the artists were commissioned to make new work and to make and were invited to to enter into dialogue with the spaces and the histories where their work would be situated. It doesn't surprise me that you also do that at Gropius Bow, and that that kind of dialogue is important to you. It's true that there is something
0: where I feel that I work very close with the site. And the site, I think, is the building, but also like in Sydney, also the site, basically the land the building is standing on, right? So that kind of, the belief that there is, that it, it should be a conversation, you know, a dialogue. It really is very like the, you know, working with a building. I guess it's a core inspiration. I always, I remember when I started, I was saying dancing, I wouldn't just say I come and I do what I want. I would always feel the building is also telling me. I think when I say the building, I mean also, you know, the people who have worked here over the whole time. And so there is some relationship. When we were doing Rituals of Care, we had one meeting and a few artists had, I think, especially Mitch Gorda had a very interesting, you know, critique about that. She was saying that you can't put a building in the center of an artistic programming, because Mm. you shouldn't forget of the people. And I remember thinking, oh, it's interesting that she would perceive it that way. And at the same time, also thinking, obviously, we communicate things not correctly, because it's not about the building is in a way stands for development, which is, of course, closely connected with humans. So since then, we're kind of trying to find a way. So how actually can we put that correctly? That it, you know, also when one thinks about can you heal a building, that it's really more in the sense of if you heal the building, you heal the stories which have happened here. And, you know, it Mm -hmm. has an impact on the people who now work here.
1: There's a conversation between you and Ottobong that's published in the exhibition catalog. You ask her, does care have a political dimension regarding the relationship between land and body? And of course, for Ottobong, the body, you know, the, the building would be an extension of the body, which is an extension of the land.
0: Definitely the program, you know, and, and the way how we work is very, con- I mean, uses the building in, in, on a lot of levels. Of course, mainly... It is around, you know, how do we move through it? How does the building feel? How do we want the building to feel? And I mean a theme which which has been important to me even before the, the Sydney Biennale and we follow it through with the program now is really this question of what's our relationship to land and how differently do we perceive land, also legally, what actually how do countries differently think about land and I mean Mm -hmm. and all the different facets of that from like identity to just the question of ownership and so Bong of course is one of the artists who very much explores that and she brings in a theme which for me has always been very closely connected that question is you know the relationship of our bodies and land how we've also done it with Anna Mendieta or you know how Mm. in, in a way also Lee Bull deals with this question I think themes which seem to be just have found the perfect context with being in the Gropius Bau, because mm-hmm. being right at the border between East and West, having now the uh, topography of Terra next to us. There's a lot of, I think, connections which nearly seem to, you know, they're not forced. Everything just falls into place. Mm. And so this idea or the interest in care, I think, is very much that interest which also connects land and body, I think. Mm. Ottobong now combines it quite perfectly. Um, mm-hmm. b- but there are other artists who much more like, right now we have the artist, our artist-measured Cheng Bo, who's, who's, you know, mainly now is, is, is not that much interested in human beings. <laughs> He's much mm. more interested in plants. and. Mm. You no know, vegetation, and, and sees the importance of having a dialogue or conversation with them, and you know, basically pointing out that they have to be part of our conversations here too. You know, yeah. you know what's growing outside of the building, what's growing inside of the building, what has grown inside of the building while you know it was ruined. So there is a lot of these questions he's bringing in, and I also feel you know there this idea of care is is, is something where I see that that
1: that that connects. I feel like otobong of course, she has done similar things with thinking through migrations of minerals and extraction. And even in one of the works in the show, A Taste of Stone, from what I've heard about it and read of it, it evokes almost the same slow intensity of Maria Hasabi, this kind of deceleration mm. where you're feeling this intense expansion of time. So you can you can talk about what plants have been in a place and even classify them by by names that humans can give them. And then what I understand Ottobong is doing with A Taste of Stone is reminding us that all living organic bodies, including ours, including plants, become stone over very long durations of time and are just as tied up in minerals as the mineral world. And this idea of inviting the visitor to totally slow down and breathe and listen to the stone. Gosh, it makes me think in in Hasabi's uh, Together, just how at times these two bodies appear to be kind of carved from stone like sculptures. It's, you know, it's very evocative to me and not, you know, I don't find Zhengbo's work and how you describe it too different than that. I'm thinking in the context of this podcast about AI technologies, you know, as tools of humanity and increasingly as sort of collaborators with humanity. And I can't help thinking of the building of Gropius Bau also as a kind of technology or a hardware, you know, a kind of encasement that's like our technologies, which themselves are not neutral. They're very much informed by historical and cultural and economic and geopolitical Contexts and belief systems, art can be a vehicle to interrogate and you know potentially dismantle. Is maybe too hard, too harsh a word, but maybe like kind of how how art can be a vehicle to recalibrate. You know the hardware or the you know the tech the technological systems. Um, I mean, in the same way that I feel like what you've done at Gropius Bau has kind of just been. Pushing against the envelope of the building, prodding and an interrogation that maybe is is expanding people's feeling when they're in the building and working in the building, and also may perhaps even how the institution sees itself. And I feel like with artificial intelligence again, which we know will is already very speaking of entanglement, you know, very very mixed up in our in our lives and 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 will increasingly be. So a project like this one that's inviting artists to actually engage more deeply with engineers. And I'm just sort of seeing it in the same way that you invite an artist to engage with a building like Gropius Bell. Yeah,
0: I guess we always have, you know, working with or against technology somehow. I Mm. think if you're engaged in art and, you know, I feel art is or good and interesting art is always thinking about things which might only happen in 20 years or so Mm -hmm. there is this question of how can actually artists' mind and technology work together and inspire each other because there is of course that component that that might be a very interesting dance you know there are artists who started doing it in the 50s 60s and even earlier i Feel and I hope at a turning point in the question mm-hmm. how technology and art and visual art can work together. Because yeah. I feel for a very long time there was, you know, the interest in the technology was for the technology's sake,
1: mm-hmm.
0: which I'm personally not so interested in. I'm yeah, more interested in what actually happens if you use it, you use paint or you you need, yeah. you use a pen, and how can that actually become its own organism and how can that then interfere or interact with, with an artist. I always feel there is a very deep connection to nature and that's really weird now if you talk about high-end technology, <laughs> but I do feel that these seemingly completely opposite things are not. The way how they function, they somehow feed into each other and they don't have to go against each other, but they can help each other too. I think somehow we have lived with technology or have, you know, technology always seemed to be the opposite of nature, but I don't think that really has to be. And I think maybe in times where that will change and where it actually goes together and that maybe technology helps us to understand nature and have a different dialogue. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And I would be very interested in that, you know, that the ability, the abilities of nature are so much beyond what we human being can do. And I think artificial intelligence is somehow, you know, where you feel shows us what are the mysteries of the world.
1: You know, the reason I wanted to talk with you about care in this context is also that the, the, how the technology is shaped is not, is, is determined by those who are, programming it right so people are just there are people who are making decisions about what algorithms are being fed to the technology what kind of ideas what kind of ways of speaking what kind of cultural perspectives and that's why again the project like this is so interesting to me not only because i think artists can just infuse the whole field with and potentially cross-pollinate with the engineers that they collaborate with in the artist residency but also also how these Notions and practices of things like care and intimacy and not knowing, which is a topic you and I have talked about before, are actually baked into it. You know, how can AI offer a queer symposium infused with all these other ways of being, ways of knowing, ways of caring? Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, and I can and and I can see that that has really changed. No, at least I have the feeling. I mean, also just looking at from my perspective, I always would see a big difference between someone who develops technology and an artist. Mm-hmm. But now I think that is really, you know, fusing. I would, I would much more understand that someone who's developing and programming that there is a real creative, you know, process in it. And I can also see how artists work very, you know, have a huge knowledge of technology and science and how that actually, if they work together, one is really able to push the boundaries. As it always is, you open to rethink or think differently than that will allow you to go somewhere else, you know, and and we don't know where, but kind of, I do think that people who develop, you know, if it's scientists or developers and artists, they all have the capacity to, you know, to go somewhere into the unknown. And of course, there is an anxiety, but you know, it's important. You know, sometimes you have to go somewhere before you know where you go. And I think these first steps artists can be very helpful that you basically jump together into a void, which then you know, probably at some point will will end up and you're really flying very high because you've Mm. done that.
1: Well, that's a beautiful place to end. And I'm so glad for the time that we could have to talk together today. So I just want to thank you so much.
0: Well, thank you. That was very interesting. I think I learned a lot. That's also nice to use these conversations to keep thinking about things, not just telling you the things I know already. So um, thanks for that. Thanks for giving the space.
1: This has been AI Murmurings, brought to you by the Australian Institute for Machine Learning, the Sia Furler Institute, and Slow Research Lab. The music you've been hearing is from The Resonance Canons, composed and performed by Christopher Tigner from his album, A Light Below, released in 2019 on Western Vinyl. To learn more, listen, and purchase Christopher Tigner's music, please go to wiresundertension.com. You can follow the Art Intelligence Project at artintelligence.ai. To receive updates on this podcast, subscribe on your favorite podcasting app or follow Instagram and Twitter. It's at AI underscore murmurings. I'd like to thank Anton Vanden Hengel, director of the Australian Institute for Machine Learning, Tom Haidu, director of the Sia Furler Institute, and Sebastian Tomchek from the University of Adelaide. I'm Carolyn Strauss, director of Slow Research Lab.